the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible's not always going to be popular, but the Bible is always going to be truth, and it's always going to be what you need to hear. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles, with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today, we're starting a brand new message titled, Never Abandon, in Genesis chapter 7 and 8. Let's jump in. Well, have you ever felt abandoned? Maybe someone made a promise to you, yet they never came through. Or your special day was not acknowledged. Maybe it was the best friend that stood you up for somebody else. Maybe you were just simply forgotten, like the time that I forgot my own son. I was teaching the Sunday night service at Harvest Christian Fellowship, and the service ended right around 8 o'clock. And at 8 o'clock, we would just hang out in fellowship, kind of like what we do here at Core Summer Nights. We just hang out in fellowship afterwards, weather's nice and what have you. And so there I was fellowshipping, and we would fellowship for a couple hours. Well, my son, uh, Brenton, you know, his best friend was Trevor and Trevor and his parents would come to day seven. And so they were hanging out and what have you. And so, uh, you know, Trevor's parents asked me, Hey, do you mind if we just take Brenton home with us? And then you can swing by, pick him up on your way home. Well, they lived in the same neighborhood as me and we were good friends and all that. Like, yeah, of course, you know, where the, you know, the young men can hang out and whatever, and I'll pick him up later. Well, there I was, got done fellowshipping. It was about 10 o'clock, went home, got into bed, went to sleep and, uh, Woke, <laughs> woke, woke up the next morning and I'm just kind of laying in bed. You ever had that like empty feeling come over you? <laughs> it's like, and I'm laying there and I'm thinking like, wait a minute. Wait, was that a dream? Wait, and I jump up out of bed and Brenton's door is closed. I race in there. He's not there. And I'm like, oh no, I forgot my son. And then so I had to go down and sit down the stairs and break the news to my wife, which that didn't go over real well. <laughs> it's like, you did what? You forgot her. I'm like, well, it. It sounds as bad as it is. <laughs> it's like, and so I went over there and I, I picked him up and it's like, oh my goodness, yes. It's not what my wife wanted to hear, you know, uh, but he was in good hands and, and he was glad that I forgot him because they just went for the full sleepover, but still, I don't recommend you doing that. But uh, anyway, well, I'm sure that most of us at one time or another have felt left out and felt forgotten. Yet there's a huge difference between being simply forgotten by a friend or overlooked by a co-worker than it is for your own spouse forgetting your birthday or your anniversary. That's never a good thing. But know this, the ultimate letdown of feeling forgotten is when we actually feel forgotten by God himself. Maybe your journey in life has left you recently with a feeling of desperation because life is difficult. Face it. 
and your heart is continually searching for something to hang on to. Maybe you've been let down in things around you and, and just totally disappointed. Many times in your life, you know, things happen that we don't want to have happen. But it's in those times that we can feel like outcasts. Yet God makes sure to remind us of this very fact in Hebrews chapters 13, chapter 13, verse 5. It says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And it's in the plural sense of, no, I will never, ever, ever leave you. I will never, ever forsake you. Yes, there might be some here today who have fallen under this burden of doubt where you actually feel forgotten by God. Your faith has become inconsistent because of that. And you actually could be wavering in your faith. Maybe it seems like every step you take forward in seeking after the Lord It's followed by taking two steps backwards, which has caused your soul to become weary inside and overcome with fear in all the cares of this life. Maybe you wonder, what does it all mean? Like, when will all this garbage stop that's happening to me? Why has life come to this place for me? Yet today, we will see that no matter where we are in life, we can all know that there is hope for us, no matter what our circumstances are. And even if we created our own hardship, because sometimes we do, just by simple disobedience and doing what we know is wrong, we can create our own hardship. Or perhaps it was others that have laid out a foundation of misery for us to swim in, because we all have people that do that for us. They just seem like they want to do everything they can to make our life harder. But whatever the case, know this. The God of heaven, the creator of all things seen and unseen, he knows you and he loves you. And he will never, no, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, it says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. Notice, it's those who know him. It's not just every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and if your name's Tom, Dick, or Harry, sorry, but, you know, but it's not for everyone that doesn't know Christ. It's for those who have come into a relationship with Christ. He says, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. For the person who seeks the Lord, to the person who's given their life to Christ, oh, no, he will never, ever forsake you. This should instill hope in any of you that might feel drained today. Or maybe your soul is just overwrought with so many different issues and everything. But my friend, there is a sympathetic, there is a divine friend who stands on your behalf and he lives in the heights of heaven. And he cares about the huge concerns of your life, along with the trivial day in and day out stuff, even the little things. That's why the Bible tells us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us, not just the big stuff, but all the things that weigh on us. He promises courage to the weak. 
God promises strength for the feeble. And God promises to give us backbone when we are fearful. Yet how can the lonely grasp onto the promise of him, of he will never leave us or forsake us? If you just feel like God never really speaks to me, he doesn't really know where I'm at, I don't really feel his presence, how, how can I grasp onto this promise? Well, that's why we must take a moment to ponder such a promise in the fact that it's to each and every one of us. See, those of us who have put our faith and trust in him, that's who the promise is for. You have to be the Christian. You have to be the person who's seeking after him. But let me ask you today, have you really trusted him? Have you really sought after him with a whole heart and a willing spirit? Or are you just along for this Christian feel-good ride? You know, and as long and, and as soon as the, the road gets a little bumpy in following Christ, oh, you just jump ship. Maybe you're just going to go another way to find some other feel-good deliverer. Maybe you'll take up, you know, watching Joel Osteen on TV because he's like a life coach. And he'll tell me I'm a champion. He'll tell me I'm wonderful. And I'll feel so good about myself. Or maybe you'll turn on TV and watch a Dr. Phil, you know, episode. And that'll make me feel good. Yes, we all need to ponder not looking to others, but to looking to what God has for us. You know, God left his eternal glory. Let's not forget that. God became a man, meaning he was fully man, flesh and blood like you and me. But yet he was also, the huge difference was he was still the eternal God. So Jesus Christ, he was fully God while being fully man. And he leads and he guides and directs us by his own personal example. And what was his example? He laid down his life for his own. He laid his life down for us as a sacrifice for our sins. And his promise again is that he will never leave us. His promise is he will never falter in his love for us. His promise is he will be there for us till the very end. Again, meaning when we feel him close to us, when we feel the goosebumps going up and down our spines. Don't we like that when it happens? Like, oh, I feel the rush of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the wonderful things about coming together and worship. And so many times the Lord will just, you know, just, you know, we feel his presence and we like that inside. We like when we feel him and he feels like he's there because he promised he would always be there for us. So again, it's nice when we feel that. And But we have to grasp this because this is a paramount thing to grasp here. Because when we feel him like that, he's there. But when we don't feel him and we don't have goosebumps racing down on our spine, he is still there all the same. So when we think we're alone, when we think despair has crept into our heart and we feel God is no longer listening... That's when we are just flat out sadly mistaken because God, again, will never leave us. He will never depart from us. He will never let us go and he will never fail us. Let me ask you, do you have his hope in your heart? Do you really have his hope in your heart? Don't leave here today if you don't have that. 
Don't leave here with some outlook that somehow this God in heaven doesn't really care about you. Listen, he knows you and he knows your every thought before you think it. And he certainly knows your every need. And he loves you in spite of you. Isn't that something? God loves us in spite of us. Because listen, some days we're feeling it, right? Oh man, we're like super Christian today. I mean, I'm just like, I'm walking with it. I mean, I feel it. Man, it's on me, man. You, you walk into Starbucks, you get a coffee. I don't drink coffee because, you know, I'd be like all spazzed out with all that caffeine. But anyway, but you walk in, you get your coffee. Hey, God loves you, man. You're just, you're a preaching machine, man. It's just like, man, you just feel it, man. You walk into work. It's like, how's it going? This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it, you know, and you're just feeling it. So there's those days that we feel like super Christians. And then there's those other days. It's just, you don't even feel like getting out of bed. You know, you're just grumpy. You're just being a little, you know, just a grump master, you know. And it's just, and we, and, we, and we feel like that sometimes. So see, God loves us in those days that we feel like he should love us. Like, God, I'm your man. I'm your woman. But then he loves us when we're not feeling like that. So he loves us in spite of us. Today, we will continue in our study through the book of Genesis. Now, we were introduced to this man named Noah. He was a man who could have thought that he was abandoned by God on many different fronts. He was a man who lived in a culture that was so similar to our culture here today. For his culture, they disregarded anything and everything to do with God. Just kind of like what they're doing now. Burning Bibles in the streets, burning the American flag, take the crosses off of everything. No scripture, no Bibles in school. They were just trying to scrub completely God out of their culture. Yet Noah was a man who lived by faith, not just for a year, not just for a decade, but Noah lived by faith his whole life. And guess what? He was one of the longest living individuals on planet earth. He lived to be 950 years old. Now this of course was before God had shortened the life expectancy of man. For the first 500 years of Noah's life, he proved to be nothing short of a solid believer. But how in the world did he pull that off in the culture that he lived with? Well, for starters, he didn't allow himself to fall into the same pitfalls of sin that everyone around him was falling into. Yes, his world was very, very corrupt. And again, how bad was his world? Well, God is getting ready to completely destroy it, destroy the entire creation. Why? Because all that God saw in humanity in his culture was an unrestrained wickedness. And are we starting to see this unrestrained wickedness now? Are we not seeing it in all our big cities? Are we not seeing it as they're just rebelling against everything? Are we not seeing crime shooting up as they are trying to say defund the police? Have you lost your minds? And it's like here we have in our big cities now, crime rates up like 200%, 300%, 400% in these big cities that are so liberal. And it's like, really? It's like, look at the wickedness of man that is surrounding us. It was the same thing here in his time. If man was spinning completely out of control, 
perversion had consumed everyone. They were given in marriage. They were sexually explicit in every way, any way imaginable. God said this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. He said, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of humanity was unrestrained wickedness. Man was, again, doing all of these things. And the Lord saw that it was great on the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God is saying there in Genesis 6, it's like everything he thinks about is wicked. He wakes up in the morning. It's what can we do? It's wickedness. It's party. It's this. It's that. How sad. Think about it. The very core of man, the very depth of his heart was now evil continually. And we're starting to see the same thing in our day and age. That's why Jesus said, in the last days, when you see the time being like the times of Noah, know this, that the coming of the Son of Man is very soon. And we're seeing that around us now. Again, the very thing that we saw in Noah's day, we're seeing in our day. And what was God's response? In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth. He was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot man out whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animal to creeping things to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Wow. What a bummer for God have to, for him to have to say that. And right when you think, man, it's over. It is curtains for humanity. Right when you think this world is, is everything and it's just going to be completely and totally toast. It says God remembers Noah. The Bible records in, in Genesis 6, 8 that Noah found favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace, God's unmerited favor. He found favor in the midst of everything that was going on around him. And just how did Noah stand out like that in the midst of his wicked culture? Well, number one, he was a true believer. He truly believed. Number two, he did what was right, just to do what is right. And number three, he wasn't politically correct. Listen, you can't be a believer and be politically correct. Because if you're politically correct, you go along with the crowd. You just, you, it's not like you stand up for what you say. It's kind of like the person running for VP right now and just like, uh, you know, just a few months ago hated this person that's running for the big, you know, president. But now it's like, oh, it's my, my favorite friend, you know. It's like, you're going to be politically correct. You're going to say whatever you have to say because I'm going to get to this position. This is what I'm going to do in life. So I'm going to be politically correct. You can't do that as a Christian because the Bible is not always what you want to hear. The Bible is not always going to be popular, but the Bible is always going to be truth. And it's always going to be what you need to hear. It's not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And that's where the Bible, and it makes no compromise and it's no apologies. What was sin 5,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, guess what? It's still sin today. doesn't matter how popular it is. doesn't matter if we pass laws. Oh, well, now we have legalized this. What well, does it matter if it's legalized? doesn't matter. It's like it's still wrong. It's like it was wrong before it was legalized, and then it's legalized, and it's still wrong. How about that? You know, that's what the Bible says. But Noah did what was right. 
He simply did what was right. He stayed married to his wife. Everyone else was jumping from marriage to marriage. I'm sure it wasn't easy at times for Noah, just like it's not going to be easy for us to live this life. But he did it because why? He desired to please God. But Noah had no clue of how radical this cost would be for following the Lord. You know, and it was going to get even worse. So we're going to look at that here today as we consider three points in light of our title, Never Abandoned. Number one, living in obedience, because that's what Noah did. He lived in obedience. Number two, judgment has come. Judgment is going to come in our time also. It could be just right around the corner. Like it could completely start falling apart more than we could ever imagine, like right now. And number three, never abandoned. And no matter what happens, no matter what judgment comes, God will never abandon his own children. Well, let's look at our first point, living in obedience. As we looked at last time, it was a 100 years before the great flood. And God gives to Noah the task of building a humongous boat. Now, this must have seemed crazy at the time, for there is no record of it even raining on planet Earth. So it's never rained up to this point. We're told in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, that it didn't rain, that there was a heavy mist that would rise up from the earth and water the ground. This happened between days 2 and 3 of the creation recorded in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. We looked at all that in those studies back then. So imagine what the people were telling Noah. It's like, excuse me, Noah? You're building a giant boat for what again? Oh, it's going to rain? Rain? What's rain? It's like it's never rained before. There were streams of water, of course, but nothing that could accommodate this massive boat. And that's why Noah must have appeared to be a crazy man. Completely insane. It'd be like us sitting there trying to build a giant boat. Let's knock down three of these buildings behind us and build this massive boat in our parking lot. It's like, uh, excuse me? You're nuts. What are you going to use it for? It's too big to move. There are, there are so many people today that will continue to mock this part of the Bible that has recorded history. Although, of course, Jesus referred to Noah. And so his story is true. This man existed. And the people will say today, there is no way that you could have fit all the animals onto that boat. But again, like we looked at last time, we have to take into account of just how big that boat was. The Bible gives us the dimensions in Genesis six fifteen. Let me read it to you again. See, this is how you shall make it, God said. The length of the ark will be 300 cubits. Its breadth, its width will be 50 cubits. And its height will be 30 cubits. Now, again, as we looked at before, how big is that? Well, a cubit was kind of like from here to here. So it could either be somewhere between 18 and 21 inches long. So when you're building something, you just have to figure out where your cubit is. And then that's what you use for everything at that point. So if you went on the small side of the cubit, 
and that's being 18 inches, it would mean that the ark was 450 feet long. If you were on the longer side of the cubit, it would be more like 520 feet long. It was like 75 foot wide, and it was 45 feet tall. And God said to put three different levels inside of this giant boat. So it had three full different levels inside of it. I mean, think about that. See, so when people mock Noah's ark, they should all understand that all the animals could fit in the ark. Because again, if you multiply out that space that's inside of that boat with the three different levels, you come up with over 1.5 million cubic feet of space. That would be equivalent to 522 standard boxcars that you see pulled behind trains today. And those 522 boxcars could hold some 125,000 sheep And that is a lot of sheep. Anyway, okay. But, you know, but know this. As crazy as it sounds, Noah lived in obedience. And he did all that God had commanded him to do. And like, like he wasn't working on that boat for like, Five years, you know, like, hey, man, I'm, hey, I'm going to contract to build this boat for you. How long is it going to take? Well, it's going to be like five years. Five years, that's a long time to wait. No, 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 no. It took him 100 years, 100 years of working on this boat every single day. It, again, it's crazy. But I wonder, what would you have done if God came to you? Because we live in a similar day. No, God isn't asking us to build this boat that's almost two football fields long in Los Angeles here. Although, even though he's not asking you to build a a boat that's two football fields long, he might be asking you to talk to a co-worker. He's asking you, can you just talk to someone? Can you tell them that there's a God that can forgive them of their sin? There's a God that can bring peace into their life in the midst of all the chaos that's in our world today. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.